0: You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk with your host, Noah Festenstein. Right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue demons.
1: Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice
2: of your DePaul
1: Blue Devils.
0: To the public, the return of the notorious Conor McGregor will take place on January 18th in the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. So that is my comeback fight. It is 12 weeks this Saturday. I'm in prime physical condition. I have agreed the date with the uh, I have I have agreed the date with the company, as far as the opponent. I have the opponent's name, but for me, the game I am in, and from experience, if I was to give you people the name, which I would love to do, I know the UFC would flip it, because they are are a crafty company. So for me, here's this one. Ask the UFC who the opponent is, because I do not
3: give a
4: (laughs)
0: Good morning, Jackson, Chicago, Illinois. My name is Noah Festenstein, your host of Monday Mana Sports Talk, right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Let's get it going. It is episode 151, right here all the way from Harper College Radio, right here to Radio DePaul Sports, Radio DePaul. Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Once again, my name is Noah Festenstein, taking you on until 1230 gonna be a good one today have a lot planned gonna cover all main sports in, the, in North America baseball football hockey basketball all in order actually basketball is third because uh, I'll be doing football and basketball i so will be discussing fantasy sports today I'll be just discussing the World Series that ended last week on Wednesday and also some offseason tidbits that we should kind of cover for baseball and to end the show I got some UFC MMA with a special caller. You know who it is. It's Carlos Liquid Terminator Rodriguez calling in at 12 o'clock to talk UFC 244 with me. And what The audio you guys just heard was kind of a preview of what our conversation might look like because uh, that was Conor McGregor, who has not fought since November of 2018, which was the last fight that was the whole fiasco uh, of um, the fight between Khabib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor. I will be discussing that way later on at the 12 o'clock overtime period of the show, but I got a lot planned prior to, so it's going to be a good show today, and I cannot wait to get it started. Wednesday, guys, to a brief break, but when I come back, it is madness. Coming at you live from 1 East Jackson, Chicago, Illinois, my name is Noah Festenstein, and I'll be back in a bit. Stay tuned.
2: Hey, it's Dibs, your favorite demon in a blue suit. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul blue demon.
1: Campbell to Stonewall. Stonewall driving to the rim, goes up, gets it to fall, and one.
3: Oh, Max Drew springs down the house. Radio DePaul Sports, your home for blue demon baskets.
5: Max Struz curling right side. Drills oh a jumper. Nice. See what Struess does. It looks like he wants to shoot. I was kind of hoping he would pull up there. And one. Floater was wet. Struess is loose. Struz Curl three. three. Bang. You know it. My goodness. Struess on the other end gets it to fall and one. Now off top, he's got a double team. Now it's just Figueroa on him. Nice oh, move. Quick move. Wow. Out of oh control. Oh, my goodness. Wow, he was out of control. Max he finished off class. That is a new career high for Max Struis. He had 34 earlier this year. He's got 35 now. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul
1: Blue Demons.
2: Oh!
1: Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Dean Here they are, one strike away, one out away. Three, two. Here it is! The Washington Nationals are world champions for the first time in franchise history.
0: Welcome back. Monday Madness Sports Talk, right here, Radio Nepal Sports, the student voice of your Nepal Blue Demons. My name is Noah Festenstein, taking you on until 12.30. <laughs> this is Radio Silence featuring HAILC. It's snug. Right here, at Radio DePaul Sports, soon voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Once again, my name is Noah Festenstein. And what you guys just heard was the final out of the 2019 World Series between the Washington Nationals and Houston Astros. The first time in history between the NBA, NHL, and MLB best of seven series, respectively, that the road team won every single game. All seven games, the road team won. That's extreme. It literally makes. Home field advantage seem irrelevant, and in, in fact, it makes it you kind of have to uh, promote the term road field advantage, if you may say, and that was the case in this 2019 World Series. Uh, I was very, very happy with how it turned out this 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 World Series. Uh, I, I wanted to see, at least from a bias standpoint, the Washington Nationals win, but obviously, from my sports analytical standpoint, I, I have to kind of like go with the better team, and that was of course the Houston Astros. But the team that looked like they played better is the team that won on the road most most of the time, which was the four games that the Washington Nationals won. They looked like the better team in all those four games that they won. And in even cases when they're at home playing against the Houston Astros at Nationals Park in D.C., they still looked like the better team. And deservedly, I believe that the Washington Nationals deserve this win. And all Bryce Harper jokes aside, um, this this team really do, did grind through this postseason. Twelve wins they had to win, including the the sudden death Wilds card game. The Washington Nationals played three win or go home matches, three winner go home games, and in the one series that they didn't have to, you know, win a winner go home match was the NLCS, where they swept the, the the St. Louis Cardinals and proved that they are World Series worthy, which they have done basically ever since they started the season, nineteen and thirty one, the first fifty games of the season. The Washington Nationals just rolled on through and made it to the postseason uh, as a wild card team. They didn't look like a wild card team, but uh, and there were what seven outs away against the uh, Milwaukee Brewers or something like that to get eliminated, and uh, an x amount of outs away uh, from being eliminated eliminated by the Los Angeles Dodgers. It, it, it's quite remarkable how uh, the Nationals p- presented themselves in this postseason, and. Back to that uh, Bryce Harper joke aside, it's even more impressive that you you take out one of the best players in the league, arguably, um, out of your lineup, and then the next season win the World Series. Uh, that is impressive enough, and the Nationals are able to regain from that. You know, at the beginning of the season, you thought that the Nationals are just off the map because of it. You know, with Bryce Harper being on the Phillies, and uh, in in the National League East, you have the Atlanta Braves controlling you had a good Phillies team, a good Nash uh, a good Braves team and a, even a New York Mets team that was hot like at multiple points during the season but and then of course the Miami Marlins which is a whole separate story told by Derek Jeter, I think maybe possibly the worst GM in the entire league or the worst owner in the entire league. Maybe the best baseball player, one of the best baseball players that has ever lived in Derek Jeter, but probably the worst owner. I I I mean that's a that's a story for another day. Um, but you kind of have to look at this at National League East and how the Nationals had to, um, you know, adjust to the skill level and also, um, prove themselves worthy to, to, to move forward. And they swept the team that beat, and the, uh, the Nationals swept the team that beat their National League East rival, the Braves. You know, the Cardinals beat the Braves in five games in the NLDS, but then get swept by another National League East team um it's, it's it's pretty awesome I, I am very very happy for this Washington Nationals team of winning this World Series um it is quite the story if you may say uh, I think the storyline was of course the pitching the Nationals pitching uh was off the charts I I had a feeling that Steven Strasberg was going to do great he went 2-0 this this World Series and deservedly gets uh um, the nod for World Series MVP and also getting a Corvette, a nice looking Corvette, which I am very, very, uh, jealous of, jelly, if you may say, um, of that Corvette. It's a nice, beautiful rose red, rosy red Corvette. I'm, I i do not this is not a car show, it's a sports show. I'm not, I don't want to get too caught up in how beautiful that car was that Steven Strasburg got. But all, all that aside, definitely deserving of, um, a World Series victory for the Washington Nationals. I'm very happy that they won. I I would pay money to see the reaction of Bryce Harper when they won the World Series. I'm, I bet you a lot of fans would like to see that. I'd literally pay money to see that. That's that's how much I would I would want to see it. Um, but that's that's a story for another day. I think, um, the way that Bryce Harper, it's gonna be interesting because the way that Bryce Harper plays against the Nationals next season could also depict how he feels about this situation, leaving the Nationals, expecting that they're gonna help him. Uh, help them win a World Series, but it wasn't him that helped them win a World Series. It was the team, the collective team effort that the Washington Nationals brought to this postseason uh, was the was the key factor for them to win the World Series. Um, it's 11-11. Make a wish. At least 11-11 Central Standard Time here in Chicago. Uh, I wish for a good show. I think I think you're going to get that. I wish you are going to enjoy this um, today because I got a lot planned. I just finished talking about my little brief tidbit of what I thought about the World Series. Now I'm going to continue with talking about some MLB free agents. Maybe talk a little bit about the Cubs. Maybe. And I don't know. But I think the free agent market's going to be interesting this year for the MLB uh, because um, you got some pitchers on the uh, great pitchers On the map, you also got some good position players and also some questions also in the trade market, especially surrounding the Chicago Cubs this offseason. You don't know who they're going to trade. Let's see who are some notable free agents this year. Let's look at the top 20, shall we? There was an article written uh, by Anthony Castrovince of MLB, so I'm going to base it off of him because he does a lot of great stuff on MLB.com. He placed the number one... Uh, as the number one um, free agent this offseason, uh, pitcher Garrett Cole. He's 29 years old. He had a 2.50 ERA in 2019, which is a fantastic ERA that's below average. Um, and he's a, he's a big he was a big reason why the Astros played the, the way they did in the postseason, disregarding their World Series loss. Garrett Cole was lights out a lot, and there was a reason why he was a Game One starter. There was a reason why he started essential games in this World Series. Um, and you're gonna teams are gonna want that, and they're gonna look into that uh, this this off season. Another national, or I'm sorry, another player that played in the World Series that's on the free agent market um, is third baseman of the Washington Nationals, Anthony Rendon. Uh, obviously, he uh, he got what he wanted in, in in Washington. He did what he needed to do for Washington, and it's only appropriate for him to feel like he wants to go, so he doesn't have to resign. Um, I, I, I made a theory. I made a theory. Because if the Cubs, it's about the Cubs. If the Cubs want to trade a player, and recently the trade talks have been surrounding Chris Bryant specifically, who's at third base. If the Cubs trade Chris Bryant expecting to sign someone else, they could trade Chris Bryant for a pitcher and sign Anthony Rendon. He's 29 years old. He's only like, what, two or three years older than Chris Bryant. He's still a young baseball player and a very talented baseball player. Uh, You can't say that enough. So that's a theory. That is a 100% theory, maybe maybe a signage of Anthony Rendon for the Cubs because Chris Bryant only has one year left of his contract. This is his last year. The Cubs can sign a multi-year contract with Rendon. They got a third baseman for multiple years, and then they also have something to get. They have products to get from Chris Bryant, like a pitcher or something. Maybe Kyle Schwarber is also on the chopping block, or even Ian Happ, for that matter. Um, Just some theories around the Cubs. That's all I'm going to say about it. I'm not going to get too too in-depth because free agents don't start getting signed in until about maybe December, where the winter meetings take place. Um, I won't have time to talk about that a lot because I only have, what, three shows left in the quarter? I got This is week 9, week 10, and then finals week. I should be doing a show. Um... Here at Radio DePaul, so hopefully I'll have time to talk about my theories about who's going to get signed, and maybe there'll be a big signing before I have to leave for winter break. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. Uh, let's look through other um quickly. Let's be before I get to football. Let's look at other um for agents. Stephen Strasburg, right-handed pitcher, also Washington Nationals, an, a big arm on the market. Stephen Strasburg uh, had a chance to opt into his contract. It, he he was in an opt-out contract with the Washington Nationals, but like I said about Anthony Rendon, Steven Strasburg got what he wanted. He got a World Series victory. He's still young. He's 31 years old. Um, and Strasburg's going to uh, do some damage with another team. Uh, he's been with us Washington national scenes for a, quite a while. And uh, who can blame him for wanting to have a new setting? Any, any uh, good player who's done his duty for his team um, has the right to choose somewhere else. And, Bryce Harper didn't have that mindset with the Washington Nationals this past off season when he got when he signed with another National e- League East rival, and uh, of course, uh, karma karma gets to you sometimes. And I think this postseason for the Washington Nationals uh, epitomizes that. Uh, other big free agents: um, Zach Wheeler, right-handed pitcher, he's 29; Madison Bumgarner, he's 30; he's still young, and he's got three World Series rings under his belt. Um JD Martinez, a designated hitter. He's an outfielder as well. So maybe another American league team. I don't know. Maybe the White Sox can pick him up. I think the JD Martinez would be a great fit for the Chicago White Sox. Um catcher Yasmani Grandel. He was he just played this past season for the um Milwaukee Brewers. He was on a one year contract. But now um he also had an option too um for 2020. Uh, and he declined it, so he obviously doesn't have any aspirations to stay on the Brewers. So Grandal is now a free agent. Hunjin Ryu, pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, is now a free agent. Uh, Josh Donaldson is a free agent. Uh, Marcel Ozuna, which is good for the Cubs because Ozuna did great damage for the Cardinals last season, and uh, now he's off, off. Well, now he's a free agent. Obviously, there's the possibility of him being re but who knows? Ozuna can thrive anywhere, and he knows that. Um, another one, Cubs' very own Nicholas Castellanos. I really think that the Cubs should re sign him. It's a very big signing, and Castellanos has already shown that he wants to stay on this team. He loves this team. He already spent half a season with it, with, the, with the Cubs, and there's potential with the Cubs having success next season with a, a rookie manager, David Ross. Who knows what's going to happen? I think Castellanos should be re signed with this Cubs team. He did a lot of great things. He's a great, he loves Wrigley Field, he loves hitting in Wrigley Field. Um, and, I mean, he's a doubles master. He I mean, Wrigley Field is a great ballpark to hit doubles into the gap, into the ivy. Um, so that's that's that for there. A couple more um, I want to name, and then we'll get into some football. Um, Dallas Keuchel, uh, left-handed pitcher, age 32. He's uh, a free agent. Jake Odorizzi, right-handed pitcher. Um, he was a, was an all-star this past season, so that's a big signing there. Mike Mustakis is a free agent. Another big name is Didi Gregorius um the yankees shortstop but the yankees already have their own shortstop so who knows what's going to happen there so dd Gregorius is a free agent um cole hamels cubs left-handed pitcher i would think he might want to re-sign with the cubs but who knows who knows where he wants to go he's 36 years old he's getting up there in age and uh if anything he's going to sign a short-term deal with any team that he signs um and that's a that's a Cole Hamels is a very big question mark. I will have to put a quick big question mark on that. Uh, Yasiel Puig, he's 29. He's a free agent. Edwin Encarnacion's a free agent. Will Smith is a free agent. Not not the actor Will Smith, but the left-handed pitcher, age 30, Will Smith. Um, he is a free agent. Imagine Will Smith, the actor, pitching. I mean, come on. Maybe he'll maybe he'll do it in a movie. Who knows? Uh, and then last but not least, former White Sox, Avicel Garcia, He's been proven a lot um, with – I think when you look at uh, this thing called StatCast, uh, obviously, Garcia is one of the leaders in bat speed, uh, exit velocity, and also, um, you know, power. I mean, if you you look at what a home run needs is he needs a certain launch angle and certain speed off the bat. It's all projectiles in baseball, and that's why I love it so much because it's physics, my favorite science – like if, if if I were to ever get into any science subject, I would be in physics. Even though I'm not great with science, I almost failed chemistry in, in high school. I almost failed biology in high school. I had to take biology in college and got a C in it. So don't don't rely on me in 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 science. But I mean, i definitely could tell you that physics and sports, um, I can work with because Statcast is a beautiful tool. And it's mathematics, which I'm actually really good at. Mathematics is a strong suit of mine. So um, I could definitely tell you that mathematics, especially in baseball, um, plays a huge role. And when you look at free agents like Avisel Garcia, um, you look at those stats. You look at those stats and be like, those numbers, the, all this math is going to help us win. And it's just the way that baseball is. It's game of interest for good reason. All right. All righty. All right. All right. That was baseball for you guys. Just in a nutshell, I got a lot more baseball uh, planned um, in the near future. I, like I said, this is one, one, two, three. So after this week, I think I got two more shows left. So I got to do as much of baseball in terms of uh, free agents and stuff because a lot can happen over break when I'm gone. A lot will probably happen when I'm gone over winter break, and I, I got to talk about it, at least some uh, predictions of what free agent the free agent market is going to look like when I come back early January um, to start back up Monday Matters Sports Talk for the winter quarter. Um, okay. All right. I'm going to take you guys to break, but I got some uh, some thoughts about the Bears game yesterday and some other uh, NFL news. Not news, just some scores from around the NFL. I'm going to do that quick when I come back. You're listening to Monday Matters Sports Talk with your host, Noah Festenstein. Back in a jiffy. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Deuce.
2: Your favorite demon in a blue suit. You're really? listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demon.
1: Campbell to Stonewall. Stonewall driving to the rim, goes up, gets it to four and one.
5: Oh, Max Drew brings down the house.
3: Radio DePaul Sports, your home for Blue Demon basketball.
6: I'm a champion. Realize Shaq's mechanism. Ja, 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 ja. All right, Shaquille O'Neal yeah, for Rad. Yeah, this is not your normal yeah, PSA. Don't be stupid. Don't drink and drive. If you're going to go out and have a good time, it's fine. But designate a driver to drive home. Just stop the madness. Don't drink and drive. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council.
3: Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
0: You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk with your host, Noah Festenstein. Right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Welcome back. My name is Sports Talk, right here at Radio DePaul Sports soon Voice. Up here DePaul Blue Demons, my name is Noah Festenstein, your host. All the way up until 12:30 today, right here at RadioDePaulSports.com and download the Radio DePaul app. This has been "Youth," the K? Question mark D remix, featuring Sadaka. Should be played on Thursday, at, on Noah at night on the Radio DePaul stream. Noah at night, every single Thursday night, radio.depal.edu, 11 to midnight. Missed the show this past weekend on Halloween. Uh, I was not feeling good that night, but it was okay. Halloween uh, was a very spooky time. Uh, I hope for all, I thought it was a very very uh, safe time for all you listening. Um, I hope it was a good one. It was all right for me. I, yeah, Out saving the world, being Spider-Man, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What you guys just heard before my intro was, uh, from the Little Giants. Uh, if you ever remember that movie, the Little Giants football movie, uh, where it was like a pee wee football league, and, uh, this team really sucked. The Giants sucked so much that, um, they celebrated by gaining a yard. Just like how the Bears, uh, celebrated yesterday by gaining not just, well, they made history yesterday, is basically the point, and, uh. You really shouldn't celebrate gaining one yard in the NFL because that's embarrassing, let alone only gaining nine yards in the entire first half. In yesterday's game between the Chicago Bears and Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia, Mitch Trubisky could not gain any yardage in the first half of course the second half they squared up but it was already too late like you know you gotta at least put up those first half points it was 22 14 imagine if bears put up those first half points they could have been well ahead in this game and uh just embarrassing the first time that the bears only gained nine yards at least nine or less yards for 40 years 40 years since that last happened in a half for the chicago bears and for the eagles defense that was the first time that does happen in 32 years Speaking of the Eagles' defense and getting into some fantasy football here, I was in a very interesting situation in in, in my main league yesterday. My main league, shout out to my main league uh, and my friend Corum, the president of this. I I forgot who I'm facing this this week in terms of name, but I won. I I think I won this week, which is nice, which makes me four and five for this season, um, which is all right. But I guess uh, having the Philadelphia Eagles' defense on my team was helpful. They get they got me some good good points yesterday. But having uh, Allen Robinson, and um, I only had Alan Robinson there, too. And then also I have, uh, whatchamacallit, I'm, I'm blanking on myself right now. I also, oh yeah, Tariq Cohen. I also have Tariq Cohen on there. And Allen Robinson only had one reception yesterday for a total of six yards, which is, for me, embarrassing. But still, I got the win in fantasy football. Uh, so speaking of which already more than halfway through the season I'm trying to get into uh, into playoff form um and I believe in myself I, I really do I'm not that great in fantasy football but I will admit that uh it's going to be uh, a good rest of the season and I hope that uh, uh I'll make some good decisions proper decisions if you may say and uh you know win the big bucks um but in the NFL yesterday we saw there was a couple good headlines um uh, that are worth mentioning. Um, obviously, that Bears' nine-yard first half was bad. Thursday night's game was a good game between the 49ers and Cardinals in Arizona. The 49ers were able to pull that off 28-25. Yesterday, the Texans were in Jacksonville. They killed the Jaguars. Uh, a close game between the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, Minnesota Vikings, 26-23. Good news for the Bears. All NFC North teams lost that were supposed to lose, including the Lions. So the Lions, All NFC North teams, Uh, uh, teams yesterday lost. Packers lost to the Chargers 26-11. Lions lost to the Raiders 31-24. And the Vikings lost to the Chiefs 26-23. But that would have been a big win for the Bears. They would have pulled off yesterday. They would have been uh, plus one in the NFC North, but they couldn't pull it off. And I think that if you look back and the Bears don't make the playoffs, which is right now the main expectation is the Bears are just not meeting expectation this season. They're not meeting standards. They're not going to make the playoffs. If you look at the standings right now in the NFC North, uh, it's pretty uh, obvious that the Bears are behind. I mean, they're last place in the NFC North when they technically sh- should be protected first in front of Green Bay, who's 7-2. and Four more wins and three less losses than the Bears. That's three and a half games in front with halfway through the season for the Bears. Um, the Vikings 6-3, and they also uh, are well ahead of the Bears, uh, the Lions, I mean, I couldn't care less about the Lions or less of a threat than the two teams I just mentioned. And then the Bears, I mean, they're, they're just not playing out the expectation. And even though we can still expect this Bears team to win, is it going to be enough? They haven't done enough in this first half of their season to prove themselves to be a playoff-worthy team, let alone what the expectation was. And a lot of Bears fans saying that they could be in Miami this this season playing for the Super Bowl. And I don't even think that's going to happen because of the way that they're playing right now. It's just it's 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 in my eyes embarrassing considering the standards that were set from last season to this season. The offense can't do squat. It's simple as that. And if the offense can't do anything, it's the defense is not going to show up just as much as the offense. And that's just simple sport tactics tactics. Um offense can make a really good offense can make a really good defense and the Bears are not following that notion. Uh and it's quite um I would, I would just say frustrating. It, it's just you don't. It, you, what what I'm saying is, is that Bears fans had so many high high standards this season, considering what happened last season in the heartbreak that was that Philadelphia Eagles and Chicago Bears NFC Wilds card matchup. Um, the expectations were high because, you know, if they could have done it last year, unexpectedly they can do something this year even better. And they're not doing that. Already, they already have the same amount of losses. Actually, more losses than they did last year. They had four losses last year. Now the Bears have five. Um, and that's not good. It's not good enough. Um, and it's just a lot of question marks surrounding this Bears team, especially what's going to happen if, if it continues. What's going to happen in the offseason for this Bears team? Is there going to be a whole offensive change? With coordinators, with players, with coaches, um, who knows? That's that's a big question mark. Um, another big highlight from yesterday's uh, Bears a- uh, NFL action was that of the Patriots and Ravens. Uh, in Baltimore, the Ravens were able to put up 37 points against a-, a Patriots defense that have been proven pretty good this season. So an impressive showing, especially by Lamar Jackson, um, who was actually in his post-game press conference disappointed and himself for missing a pass, but he went 17 for 23 with 163 yards, and the rushing game was strong. You had Mark Ingram Jr. going 115 yards for on 15 carries, which is really good. It's just that's an average of seven and a half yards per carry. Um, and then Lamar Jackson even had some carries too. I mean, that's 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 just the, the whole mantra for Lamar Jackson. He's good at getting out of the pocket and running, he's not afraid to run. He's literally a a uh, a hybrid between quarterback and running back um and he was able to on 16 carries go an average of three and a half 3.8 yards uh for 61 yards and two touchdowns on the rush Lamar Jackson has two touchdowns on the rush and then Gus Edwards had a rushing touchdown too so great game for the Baltimore Ravens beating the 8 and 0 then 8 and 0 New England Patriots now 8 and 1 I don't think that That law should impede anything with the Patriots other than, um, taking out a hopeful undefeated season, but the Patriots, in my eyes, are going to make the, make, make the Super Bowl again, at least, at least, um, unless something happens, you know, of course, that the Kansas City Chiefs, they're playing all right, they had a pretty close win yesterday, um, also, I would consider the, uh, San Francisco 49ers, who are the only undefeated team left here in the NFL, they're 8-0, um, so that's another storyline. So one more undefeated team left, and uh, we're already through week eight of the NFL, so that's pretty remarkable. Um, and so, yeah, that's uh, NFL for you, at least for my highlights from this past week. Um, I'm hoping for another quick comeback on behalf of uh, um, Patrick Mahomes. I hope he comes back healthy again because he's my, he's one of my favorite players right now. Um, just one, one heck of a quarterback. Smart agile and just very good with the ball in his hands. Um, it's just you always kind of expect something good with him. I was very disappointed, especially since he's on my fantasy team. Um, I want to see him back. Okay, so that's uh, football, fantasy football. I also want to talk about some fantasy basketball and basketball in general, um, and I'll get into that and more coming up next right here on Monday mass Sports Talk. Just got less than an hour left up until 1230. Got a lot left for this show even got a caller calling in at 12 o'clock, so that's very exciting. You're listening to Monday Mass Sports Talk right here on Radio DePaul Sports. This is the voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Be back in a bit. Stay tuned.
5: Max curling right side. Drills a jumper. Let's see what Struess does. It looks like he wants to shoot. I was kind of hoping he would pull up there. And one.
3: Floater was
5: wet. wet. Struess is loose. Stru's Curl three. three. Bang. You know it. My
1: goodness.
5: Struess on the other end gets it to fall and one. <laughs> Now up top, he's got a double team. Now he's just figueroa on him. Nice oh, move. Quick move. Wow. Out of oh control. My he... goodness. Wow. He was out of control. Max he finished Strews. off plus. That is a new career high for Max Druze. He had 34 earlier this year. He's got 35 now. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons.
0: You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk. Every Monday from 11 to
2: 12.30.
0: Right here on RadioDePaulSports.com. And the Radio DePaul app.
1: You are broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago. It's Radio DePaul Sports. The student voice of your DePaul Blue Devons.
0: Welcome back, Monday Man Sports Talk, right here, at Radio DePaul Sports and Voice of Your DePaul Blue Demons. My name is Noah Festenstein. All the way on until twelve thirty, Radio DePaul app, RadioDePaulSports.com. Pushing on with gotta push on, on behalf of Grizz, Eric Krasno, and Brace Tracks. Brace Tracks, the uh, artist that does the intro of um, Monday Man Sports Talk. All of the lights. That's always great. Thank you, Bracetracks and Grizz, one of my favorites. Um, so basketball, um, we I haven't really talked about the season too much. Um, and I know that the top teams have already proved themselves. At least the expectations have lived up to its name, uh, at least in this basketball season thus far. Um, what's The teams that have impressed me thus far are that of the Philadelphia 76ers. They're undefeated. Miami Heat's doing great. Boston Celtics, the top 3 teams in the Eastern Conference, and then in the top teams in the Western Conference, the Los Angeles Lakers, they're on a five after losing their first game against the Clippers, they've gone on a five game winning streak and now they're 5 and 1. Um Minnesota Timberwolves are 4 and 1 and even the Los Angeles Clippers are 5 and 2. So the both both teams in Los, in, in Los Angeles, um in the same arena are one of the top teams in the in the entire league. So that that'll be interest that that'll be a highlight to watch this entire season. Um Looking at other teams like the Dallas Mavericks, they have off, off to a good start, uh, four and two. Um, and other, other teams that are very very surprising to watch. Um, all the way you go all the way down from one to fourteen, and then you see the good old good Golden State Warriors. Um, they injury they're injury plagued right now. Basically, their entire starting lineup is gone. Steph Curry is out. Steve, um, uh, Clay Thompson is gone. Uh, it's just, it's right now the Warriors are in a very tough spot considering their, their standards and understanding that they, I mean, look at 2016 when they only lost, um, what, seven or eight games? And now they're already in 2019, lost five games. Um, I mean, yeah, that was a definitely different team back then. But now, I mean, when you look at it, it's, it's just like, down the down the tube you know um with the golden state warriors so it's just like we'll see i mean it, 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 it's early in the season i haven't had a lot of chances to talk about basketball but it's very early in the season uh let's talk about the bulls uh the chicago bulls our very own shy bulls just lost yesterday to the indiana pacers 108 to 95 um that was a oh, that was a bad loss I mean Wendell Carter jr had a great game yesterday what tw- uh, 20 points for him so I'm, I'm very invested in Wendell Carter's junior success because he's in his sophomore season um in in the league and uh, you got also got Zach Levine who also has been playing very well he got 20 points so I'm very interested in how Zach Levine's going to play. I hope he stays healthy, knock on wood. Um, and then, of course, you got Otto Porter Jr., who we're looking after. Laurie Markkinen, he had a slow game. He's on my fantasy team, so I'm hoping for the best in him. Um, Kobe White is also a great name to always mention in making sure that he's doing great. Um, and, yeah, it's just, you know, a lot of um, question marks can surround this Bulls team in terms of what what players should start? I mean, you got a good list of players on this team that know how to perform. These are these are some professionals, uh, um, and obviously a couple of rookies that you know are, have question marks behind them, like I just said, Kobe White. Uh, but then you also got guys like Chris Dunn and Ryan Archie who's in his early uh, stages of his career. Guy um, guys who know how to play, and it's really a matter of who's the best guy guys put in the court with other guys. And uh, see what plays best with each other. So, I mean, when you talk about the first seven or so games, then the first ten games, for that matter, in the NBA season, uh, you kind of have to figure that out. Who, what, what players are best to play with each other? Um, and it's just gonna, it's just, it's gonna be a very, very interesting uh, season for certain teams in the league. That, especially when I just said in the Golden State Warriors, when you have like no starting, when you have your, you don't have your starting lineup in there, who you're gonna start? Who's gonna be those guys to step up? Same can go with the Chicago Bulls. Who's going to be stepping up? Uh, so tomorrow at the United Center, LeBron James is coming into town. Um, so the hot Los Angeles Lakers are are facing off against the two and five Bulls. Um, so you're gonna have to predict n- negatively for the Bulls, but at the same time, like I just said, let's test out the waters. You're playing a great team, and you're you're putting guys out there to play against great players, especially like LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Um, you're gonna have to like you know test out. You know, test out the waters a little bit with this Bulls team and see who's going to play against uh, each other best Um, is really going to be the question mark for this team. Um, And then, of course, Wednesday, the Bulls have a matchup on the road in Atlanta. They're playing against the Hawks, and then they're coming back home on Saturday to face the Rockets. And then uh, I'll talk probably more of them next week on the show um, when they come back in town or when they stay in town and they're going to be facing against the Knicks. Um, So interesting stuff. To look forward to um, in terms of basketball the next couple weeks. Um, so I-, I wanted to mention my fantasy stuff um, in terms of basketball because Radio DePaul Sports has a fantasy basketball league, and that's the first time that I've ever um, been accepted in fantasy basketball. I mean, you know, I don't know. I I, I don't know how I'm doing. So good. I know how I'm doing. I just don't know how I'm doing so good because I've won already the first two games of the season, um, and I'm facing this week the uh, manager Abbas Dahodwala. Good luck to Abbas this this week. But uh, yesterday, uh, yesterday was a close matchup for me. I got I got to talk about my lineup first. I don't want to like start talking about how I'm doing, but um, I got so there's 14 teams in the league, and I got a 14th pick in the draft. So the last pick in the draft, basically I I, I was uh, put up, uh, I'm being set up to fail in this league, and so far I'm not failing, so I'm proud of myself for that. Uh, I was able to pick up Kawhi Leonard uh, in the first round, Kemba Walker as well, who's been hot. I mean, you look at this uh, Boston Celtics team, and I already mentioned them in the top three in the Eastern Conference, um, they're hot, and a big reason to that... Them being that way is the performance of Kemba Walker. He's putting up 20 points, 20 to 30 points a game. Um, yeah, you got to look up to that. And that's uh, something great to look at for the Boston Celtics team. Um, I got Malcolm Brogdon from Indiana. Um, I, I, like I mentioned a couple minutes ago, I have Laurie in on my team. Um, Robin Lopez in Milwaukee. There, He's got a match tonight. Um, Ka- Kyle Lowry I got. I didn't realize I had him. I totally forgot. Um, James Crowder, Memphis, Larry Nance Jr. Cleveland, uh, Dragic of Miami and Colin Sexton of Cleveland. So, um, not a bad, oh, 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 yes, yes. So I want to talk about this, uh, since I already mentioned the Philadelphia 76ers who are playing very well already this season, uh, Joel Embiid and, um, and Carl Anthony Towns, um, went at it a couple games ago, um, the Minnesota Timberwolves and, um, what you call it? Ah, god. Brain farting all over the place. Uh, 76ers. Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns got into it. I saw the notification especially, I saw the fantasy notification because fantasy, uh, my fantasy app sends me a notification and it's like, yeah so, uh, Joel Embiid your best, you know, one of your best players on your fantasy team just got into a fight. And I was like, what? Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns, one of the top players in the league, or at least for their teams respectively got into a fight? Um, and that's they literally threw at each other, and one guy th- threw another guy in a headlock. And I think a UFC—I forgot who what UFC fighter—tweeted at um, at him, but he was like, "Yeah, uh, come come to Las Vegas for UFC 245, and I'll show you how to do a real re- re- a real rear naked choke." I thought that was funny. I'll get into more UFC new UFC stuff in about 15 minutes when my good friend Carlos the Liquid Terminator Ra- Liquid Terminator Rodriguez calls in to talk about some UFC. Um, but yeah, uh, b- basketball has been uh, satisfying so far this season. Uh, I haven't been, uh, uh, if anyone has listened to Monday Madness Sports Talk in the past, you know that I'm not really as invested in basketball as much as the next Sports Talk radio show is, um, which is why I would consider this show a little bit out of the ordinary because I know a lot of shows here at to DeFall Sports tend to cover basketball. And uh, I, I admire that like I'll probably even have to ask some uh, people here at Radio Paul Sports sometimes I'm in the office at Radio Paul Sports and I'm overhearing conversations about basketball that I'm like hey I gotta I gotta I gotta put more research into this because uh, uh, my knowledge of basketball isn't as advanced as some other people's but I'm the, I'm your baseball guy I'm your baseball guy I'm your hockey guy I'm also your uh, UFC guy but um, since I'm also your hockey guy and I've yet to reach hockey in this, Uh, Show, I'm going to do such, and it's 11.45, and it's time to do it. You are listening to Money Mass Sports Talk right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Got some hockey, some good old hockey, coming up next with Noah Festestein. Back in a couple. Stay tuned.
2: Hey, it's Deuce, your favorite demon in a blue suit.
1: You're listening
2: to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice
3: of your DePaul Blue Demon.
1: Campbell to Stonewall. Stonewall driving to the rim, goes up, gets it to fail and one. Oh, Max Drew
5: brings
3: down the house. Radio DePaul Sports, your home for Blue Demon basketball.
5: So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with. All day long. Tap, 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 tap. Bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese. And guess what? Egg roll showed up. Like magic. Humans have cool toys.
6: A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org.
5: Max Struz curling right side. Drills oh a jumper. Nice. see what Struess does. He looks like he wants to shoot. I was kind of hoping he would pull up there. And one. Good. Floater was wet. Struess is loose. Struz Curl three. three. Bang. You know it. My goodness. Struce on the other end gets it to fall and one. Now off top, he's got a double team. Now he's just Figueroa on him. Nice oh, move. Quick move. Wow. Out of oh, control. Oh my goodness. Wow, he was out of control. Max he finished Shrews. off plus. That is a new career high for Max Struce. He had 34 earlier this year. He's got 35 now. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. <laughs>
1: Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of
0: your DePaul Blue Demons. You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk with your host, Noah Festenstein, right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons.
4: That
5: ahead to Jonathan Taves. Trying to drive and pulled up. Tave's center for Kane. He scores! Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Taves. The dynamic duo comes through in overtime. Hawks win. It's a 3 2 final.
0: Welcome back. Monday Man at Sports Talk, right here, Radio DePaul Sports. It's in voice. Of your DePaul Blue Demons, my name is Noah Festenstein on until 1230 right here on the streamers of RadioDePaulSports.com, and download the Radio DePaul app on your smartphone today. This is the MvrsE remix of There For You from Telecast right here, going to be played on Noah at night. On Radio DePaul, the Radio DePaul stream, that's radio.depaul.edu, Radio DePaul, Chicago's college connection. Um, Noah at night, every Thursday night from 11 to midnight. But currently you are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk every single Monday from 11 a.m. to 12.30 with your host, Noah Fastenstein. And what you just heard before this was on behalf of NHL, uh, the sco- the goal scored by Patrick Kane in overtime yesterday, on behalf of Jonathan Taze with the feed, so the dynamic duo returns of the Jonathan Tays and Patrick Kane. I mean, what better? I mean, is, you're playing three-on-three three overtime hockey. This was yesterday in uh, the game at Anaheim in Los Angeles against the Anaheim Ducks. Um, huge win, huge win for the Blackhawks yesterday against a team that's nine and six against that a team that's uh, relatively good. And uh, when you, when you talk about the, uh, the what's happened so far in the in the NHL. Um, That was a big win for the Blackhawks, especially if they need to come back in this uh, central division in the Western Conference. I was looking at the standings yesterday, and I was baffled by how behind the Blackhawks are and how at this point of the season, being that the Blackhawks are— we look at the playoff implications. The Blackhawks are five points behind the last playoff spot between the Winnipeg Jets, but you don't want that five to turn into seven, nine, eleven, et cetera, you don't want that number to rise, and that's why at this point of the season, it is crucial for the Blackhawks to win games, to uh, gain points. You know, yes, reach overtime. I don't care if the Blackhawks went to overtime with the Pacific Division Anaheim Ducks. The Ducks can can you know you know f yeah I'll, I'm not gonna say it on air, but you know, uh, <laughs> you know the joke. Um, I hope you do. The duck duck rhymes with something else that I was going to say, but I'm not going to say it because I'm on the radio. Um, But (laughs) they're in the Pacific Division, so I don't care if the Blackhawks go to overtime because if you go to overtime in the NHL, you get a point in the standings. And then if you win the game, you get another point. So the Ducks got a point. I don't care about that. I don't give a you-know-what for the duck, you know. Um, But the Blackhawks, getting that point was massive, and then getting that extra point was even more massive. So... They went from 9, 10, to 11, and they are the second-to-last team in the Central Division, but only by a little bit. By two games, the Stars are leading in front of Blackhawks with 15 points. 16 points are the uh, Winnipeg Jets. Then you go up to the Avalanche of Predators, who both have 18, and then the defending Stanley Cup champions, the St. Louis Blues, are in the lead in the Central Division. Um, They have 21 points, so 10 points ahead of the Blackhawks in terms of Central Division lead. But... Uh, you know, giving this Black Hawks team time to play with each other, and I think for a good instance, what we saw in yash- last night's game uh, in Anaheim was the Black Hawks winning in overtime was massive because uh, it's first of all it's against a good team. The Anaheim Ducks, the third third place in the Pacific Division with 19 points. Um, second of all, it's big that you get your two guys to work together well. And I said it before the season started: you need your guys and Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tays. And other veterans that have won cups that have our championship experience to play well and to influence the rest of the team. And that play right there yesterday, I think, has catalyzed something great. That what we can see in this Chicago Blackhawks team is something great. Because you 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 expect this Blackhawks team to perform some way somehow in a in a very proper manner. You have high expectations for this Blackhawks team in terms of winning games. They can win these games. And uh, what we saw in the last night's game was a, uh, an epitome of what we should see from this Blackhawks team is that great, great feed-to-feed action, great, you know, transition defense, transition offense, getting the puck across the blue line, across the neutral zone, and creating chances. And the Blackhawks, I think, is one of those teams that ha- have the ability, and it, it all lies under the leadership of Jeremy Colleton as head coach. He is uh, a rookie head coach, he, know, he, he played before, and he's played all over the world, and he knows how to how, how to initiate plays like that. But, I mean, when you talk about guys like Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane, they, they, they make up their own plays. I mean, they're, they're veterans. They know how to um, compete with each other and uh, make make the most out of plays that shouldn't happen. I mean, it was a two-on-two in that play. Like, they were um, encroaching the blue line in that goal yesterday, and even that, Jonathan Taze was still able to feed Patrick Kane and end the game. Um so it's quite remarkable when you kind of look at those types of plays and say, hey, how can this be initiated? And other players like, for instance, Kirby Doc and um, other guys that need to score goals that, like, you know, you hope are going to perform. Um, and it's huge when you have your leaders on this team perform and influence because that's what's going to help. Uh, you know, it's going to become contagious for the rest of the team to perform well. Um, so... That's important at this stage of the season for the Chicago Blackhawks um, is to catch up in the standings to start winning games and not fall back because if they fall back, they're going to have their backs against the wall this entire season. And, and the more uncomfortable this Blackhawks team is going to be, the the worse they're going to play. So wins like this, you're in a comfortable spot. Take advantage of this comfortable spot and move to the next game accordingly. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks team does have a tough schedule. They, and they need to use that to their advantage. Win against teams that they should win against in terms of teams that are better than them, at least statistically better than them, and move forward. Some big games coming up tomorrow night in California. Blackhawks are making their California East Coast trip. Um I'm sorry, West Coast trip for that matter. Um they're facing against the Sharks tomorrow. The Sharks are a good team. They're 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 playing very well. And um Actually, no, they're not a good team. My apologies. I I was thinking about the Canucks, who they're playing after this. Uh, (laughs) The San Jose Sharks are behind in the standings. They only got nine points. They're, like, one of the worst teams in the league. My apologies. But the Sharks are still a pretty promising matchup. Utilize the momentum won by the Blackhawks and beat them. Uh, The Canucks just beat the Sharks, who are now going to be playing against the Blackhawks following the game tomorrow night for the Hawks. That will be on Thursday. Thursday night will be a 7:30 start at home. Actually, so the Blackhawks are coming back to the United Center on Thursday to play against the Canucks. And then even after that, before um, I, we got a lot of games before my next show. We got four games: Blackhawks Sharks tomorrow night, Blackhawks uh, Canucks on Thursday night, Blackhawks Penguins. Um, on Saturday night, and then Blackhawks and Maple Leafs at the United Center on Sunday night. Uh, and then uh, next week, I'll be able to talk about the Blackhawks and Golden Knights in Las Vegas. Blackhawks have yet to win a game against the Golden Knights. They were going to in their last matchup against the Golden Knights, which was on Tuesday, October 22nd, where they had a chance to win that game. But then, of course, the Golden Knights scored in the third period, late in the third period, and beat the Blackhawks in a shootout. So the Blackhawks are uh, winless against the, new, the, the, the newest team in the NHL, the Golden Knights. In the two and a half years that the Blackhawks have played against them, I think, what, the five games that they have, they have not won once. I think that's the only team that have yet to beat them, if I'm correct. Um, so that's quite a stat. So, yeah, uh, kind of catching you up before I go into my next segment on the standings. Yeah. Um, we got the Boston Bruins in the lead in the Atlantic Division, 22 points ahead of the Buffalo Sabers, Florida Panthers, and Maple Leafs. Um, they are that's 22, 20, 18, 17 respectively. And then behind the Maple Leafs got the Montreal Canadiens, Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, they need to catch up. They're down 14 points. And then the Detroit Red Wings at nine points, and the um, worst team in the NHL, at least at the moment. Uh, the Ottawa Senators at 3-8-1 with only 7 points a show for that team. Um, let's see else in the Metropolitan Division. Um, we got the Washington Capitals performing like heck. I think they're the best team in the league right now with 25 points, if I'm correct. Yes, they are. And that's by a lot, too. They're the best team in the league by 3 points. And the Boston Bruins being the second best with 22 points. The... Washington Capitals, I, 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 you know, it's contagious, you know. The Washington Nationals winning, now the Washington Capitals winning. Um, it's quite contagious. So uh, that is going to be a good story um, when we look down the line because then behind the Capitals you got, they're, they're up five points uh, up against the New York Islanders who have 20 points. The Carolina Hurricanes have 19 points and the Pittsburgh Penguins who are going to be facing the Blackhawks uh, in, in this next week, um, who have 17 points. Um, so that is going to be something interesting to watch. Um, okay. So that's the Western Conference, at least. Or right, Eastern Conference. Stupid me. Keep, keep messing that up. Eastern Conference. I know my directions. Western Conference and then we're going to get into something else. Uh. I'm getting the call right now, actually. So, um, I'm actually going to hang up. Screw you, Carlos. Um, (laughs) the Central Division already talked about. The Blues are up top. Uh, and then, uh, Pacific Division. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers are up on top. Uh, the Canucks, Ducks, and Golden Knights, uh, top four in that. Get away, Carlos! I'm not ready for you yet! Gosh! (laughs) I'm screwing with him. I'm texting him at, at the moment. Um... Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When I come back, it's UFC for the next 30 minutes. And it's with my good friend Carlos Lug Terminator Rodriguez right here Ready Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. I'll be back in a little bit. Stay tuned.
4: You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. You hear it every time you finish a meal and never feel anything. But if we were able to associate this sound with a new stimulus, save the food. We've achieved pulling a natural response from you. Save the food. Why are we doing this, you may ask? Save the food. Because this ad is trying to change your after meal behavior through brainwashing, because food waste costs the average family $1,500 a year. Save the food. Cha ching. And $1,500 extra bucks is like getting a pay raise. Save the food. Cha ching. You're promoted. Which could pay for your child's braces. Save the food. Cha-ching. You're promoted. Check out my braces. So when you hear this sound, rethink your behaviour. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council.
5: Max Struis curling right side, drills All a jumper. Nice. See what Struess does, he looks like he wants to shoot. I was kinda hoping he would pull up there. And one, floater was wet. Struess is loose, Struis curl three. Three, bang, you know it. My goodness. Struess on the other end, gets it to fall and one. Now off top, he's got a double team. Now it's just Figueroa on him. Nice move. Quick move. Out of control. Oh, (laughs) my goodness. Wow, he was out of control. He finished off last. That is a new career high for Max Struis. He had 34 earlier this year. He's got 35 now. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons.
1: (laughs) Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Divas.
6: You are always a problem, you know. Um, when it first got stopped, I was like, come on, man. You guys didn't stop the Tyson Fury fight. Um, it wasn't these guys. It was a different commission. But I'm basically saying that fight didn't get stopped because then, then as I just went back and talked to Nate Diaz and looked at Nate Diaz's face, thing is his eyebrows literally flipping over like this mm. and he has another cut right underneath it. P- fight probably should have been stopped. Could Nate Diaz keep going? Did Nate Diaz want to keep going? Yes that's why we love Nate Diaz but probably shouldn't have.
5: You know I haven't had a chance obviously to track this down exactly what the rules are but is it just is it just doctor's discretion? I mean is there criteria on, on when you should stop a fight due to a cut? Do you know?
6: I, I think there is. I think doctors know when they see a cut that um, is either putting the fighters health at risk, meaning he can't see, which Nate Diaz absolutely positively could not see out of that eye. Mm-hmm. Kept trying to wipe the blood out. At one point, I saw the blood squirting out of it. Cuts that big are always a problem, you know?
0: You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk with your host, Noah Festenstein. Right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demon. Welcome back. Monday Man of Sports Talk right here Radio DePaul Sports. Listen, voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. It is We Won't Leave You bringing me in into the UFC segment, Steve Void and Science. We play it on No At Night Thursdays on the Radio DePaul stream, 11 to midnight, radio.dePaul.edu. But right now you're listening to the Monday Man of Sports Talk with your host, Noah Festenstein, on until 1230. We're in the overtime hours right now, and to join me on the overtime hours currently on the line right now, you've heard him before, and you're going to, of course, hear him again. It is my good friend, Carlos, the Liquid Terminator Rodriguez. Carlos, are you there?
2: I am here. I am here. Good
0: morning. Uh, Okay, The, the phone line is actually not working. Carlos, can you call back to see if we can get better audio quality? Okay, 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 uh, where he's gonna call back again, making sure that we have better audio quality, because it's kind of muffled there. Uh, but we're gonna be talking UFC, the uh, audio that you just listened to was Dana White, post-fight of the uh, Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz fight in UFC 244, um, and... It was a very controversial ending that Carlos and I should be talking about very soon. Regardless, he, you're going to hear him very nicely in, in a couple seconds. I just want to make sure that uh, our, our caller panel is working fine. Uh, is he... St- nope. Okay. it's the call. All good. All good. He's going to call back again, uh, and we'll be all right. So we'll uh, have to redo that again. But that's all right. We're getting things figured out. We have 25 more minutes left, so we got a bunch of time to talk UFC, and I'm very excited. All right. Let's see if it works. All right, Carlos, are you there?
2: I am here. Yes. Reporting, Reporting for duty. Reporting for duty. Oi.
0: <laughs> Oi. What's up, lad? How's it going?
2: Oh, it's going great, lad. It's going great. I'm currently driving around the land of Belgium to service some lawns out here. Yes. How's it going out there, eh?
0: Yeah, it is going great. You're on the you're out in the suburbs of Chicago. You're, you're in, um doing some spring green action, uh, spraying some lawns. Yeah, you're 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 a ma- you're a hero, Carlos. You're you're the lawn you're lawn man.
2: Yep, the lawn master. Got that right. What's going on? <laughs> what's going on today? What's the What's the day about?
0: Today is about. Oh, did you have the answer, or are you expecting the answer from me?
2: Hmm, I was gonna say. Is it perhaps some more UFC
0: talks? Yes, it is. I think that's why I have you on, unless you want to talk about some curling or something like that, or like medieval combat, we can talk about that as well.
2: Oh, oh perhaps. Although I'm, I'm lacking quite a bit of knowledge in all those areas because I only have knowledge in one area, and that's UFC. So perhaps, let's talk UFC.
0: And that's why I have you on, my good friend, Carlos, the Liquid Terminator, Rodriguez. Um, just a quick reminder to those who... Uh, have maybe not yet listened to Carlos before. He is a uh, perspiring fighter himself and a huge fan, I think the biggest fan I know of in UFC, which is why I trust him and coming on talking about it. So you and I were together on Saturday night in the suburbs watching this event. Um, despite uh, some losses that you did not want to see happen, what was your highlight from UFC 244?
2: Oh, man, my favorite was in terms of a technical aspect Seeing my fight style actually play out well, which Stephen Thompson happens to be my uh, one of my biggest influences, he did beautiful that night. That karate
0: movement, oh, yeah, the
2: flippers, the sidekicks, the, the, the wheel kicks, they were all just beautiful. Yeah. It was amazing to witness. It definitely made my night.
0: So, Carlos is talking about the welterweight matchup between Stephen Thompson and Vincenzo Luke. That was Stephen Thompson, the uh, ranked to weight, number nine ranked. to weight against the number fourteenth ranked. to weight, and Stephen Thompson just looked like he had octagon control the entire fight. Um, he was using um, his kickboxing and muay thai to his advantage in karate. Um, fantastic fighter, and yeah, like you said, he emulates a lot of you know good foot movement that you try to practice in your own UFC or MMA fight um, style. Um, so tell me about Stephen Thompson then, and why why he deserves maybe something else better the next time around.
2: Well, the thing is, it seems like now he's coming off a win. He could have, he could have beat uh, uh, Pettis, but that's a shit not work out, unfortunately. And uh, but uh, what's he called? He, he looked amazing. He looked like the Stephen Thompson of old. And I'm sure he's he was he, he has been looking to pick things up. I remember speaking to him personally a few months ago, and
6: uh, and it,
2: it was awesome to hear from him. And, and and have him tell me, you know, how he's working on all kinds of things, and he can't wait to show us what he's got.
0: Yeah, he, he showed it pretty does. well on Saturday night.
2: Yeah, he showed some great fluidity. I think he's got he's the best utilizer of karate in the entire game. Like he definitely uses it better than Michael Venom. Yeah,
0: of, of Belter, yeah I'm Belter. It, but,
2: but unfortunately, he gets take my MVP gets taken it down. So you know. He has gotten knocked out in a way that he shouldn't have been knocked out. A more skilled fighter like Stephen Thompson would not have been hit by such a bomb. But Stephen Thompson did get Superman punched one time. That was lucky. The <laughs> one that the one time he's ever been knocked out in his whole fight career. Well, so, I mean, when you, when you're a fighter
0: in a, in a in a staggered stance like Stephen Thompson definitely emulates. He's a staggered fighter. Uh, he he keeps his lead foot out. I mean. You're, pu- you're making yourself a little bit more vulnerable to those Superman punches and even punches to the face. But Stephen Thompson is very, very good at um, escaping those types of situations. And I think that's that puts him in front of a lot of UFC fighters nowadays, especially in the welterweight division, which to me is a big reason why I think Steven Thompson should get a better fight than what we saw in Vicente Luque. Um, what do you think is next for Steven Thompson? Who do you think he should fight?
2: Hmm, let me think. You know what? I think he should been the last karate guy to lose to this man, and that was and that was when Gunnar Nelson lost to
0: Santiago,
2: Santiago Ponzinibbio. I believe Santiago Ponzinibbio, who's an amazing striker, should fight Stephen Thompson. So you don't think a,
0: a ranked UFC welterweight should fight him? You don't think that he, he should or, get an upgrade?
2: Well, Santiago Ponzinibbio should be highly ranked. I, I believe he is.
0: Although I can't pull it up on. My- oh, wait, Santiago Ponzinibbio. Yeah, yeah, he is ranked. Yeah. My apology. I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't catch up. Yeah, he's ranked eighth right now. He's literally the one fighter in front of Steven Thompson, and then it's Nate Diaz, Demian Maia, Rafael dos Anjos, and then uh, the top five and welterweight. Which I don't know if he deserves a top five fight right now, but you might be right. Santiago Ponzinibbio could be a next fight for uh, Steven Thompson. And then
2: one more after that, and then it's time to fight for the belt. One last time before the man gets old, I, I think this is Stephen Thompson's time. He he must come. He, he must get on a rise. Uh, and, and hopefully we see that from
0: him. Yeah. All right. So I got a couple other notes because uh, uh, before I know it, it's gonna be twelve thirty and we're done talking about it. Um, before we continue to UFC, actually let's 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 finish UFC two forty four and then I got a question regarding Conor McGregor. We're gonna get into that question um after 2- 244 so stick around for that um but in terms of 244 um i know you are disgusted by talking about this but i have to put you in this uncomfortable spot um what are your favorite fighters and uh you you know who it is you want to name it
2: yep 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 uh <laughs> good old johnny walker
0: Sorry, I'm, really, I'm purposely putting you in an uncomfortable spot because that's what radio is all about. But I really, really want you to kind of walk us through this loss that you had to endure for um, Johnny Walker, who was also on my top 10 list. So it was kind of a heartbreak for me to even watch Johnny Walker lose and to also watch you be heartbroken about it. But it was a light heavyweight bout. That was the last fight in the uh, preliminary rounds um, on Saturday night. It was Corey Anderson against Johnny Walker, both ranked fighters. Um, what do you think went wrong with him?
2: See, I think what happened was Johnny Walker was so overconfident. He wiped out three people in like under a minute. And, uh, so he's feeling really good about himself, blows out his shoulder. So I you know, if he was a little more intelligent, he would have to suspect that his momentum may have dropped just a little bit, if not substantially, like he went through recovery. You're not in the groove of continuously training. So then you got – there's going to be a few cobwebs, just a few. And uh, I don't think he cared to acknowledge that. I don't think he cared to uh, really focus on striking defense. He probably did not know that Corey Anderson could uh, also throw strikes as well, despite the fact that we've been seeing nothing but pure wrestling from Corey Anderson. But I guess Corey Anderson – Really wanted to su- wanted to surprise the world because uh, he knew that Johnny Walker has been knocked out before by being uh, overconfident and leaving his chin out while throwing like wild, ridiculous strikes. And uh, so basically, Corey Anderson took advantage with the overhand right, being the shorter guy, and the overhand right connected on. Uh, <laughs> you got to turn right soon, Carlos. Uh, oh yes, got uh, got gotta, gotta find my next lawn. But uh, what's it called? uh, um, yes. Yeah, so Corey Anderson found his chin with the overhand. I didn't even see that punch coming. I didn't even know that Corey Anderson could hit so hard. So basically, when when Johnny Walker got hit, I can't believe that the very first punch that this man throws is has already rocked Johnny Walker badly. I don't think Johnny Walker saw it coming. None of us saw it, saw it coming. But this man must have been training overhand rights to. Like crazy yeah. to deal with the yeah. power of
1: a
0: man. Yeah, Corey Anderson. I mean, do you think those overhand rights can compete with a guy like uh, John Jones, who is the uh, number one pound for pound ranking? Ranking, Corey Anderson. He he also talked about it in his post fight c- press conference that he's confident against like a guy like John Jones. Do you think that's a possibility?
2: Well, he's got good wrestling, so I think his maybe his wrestling may be able to fare better against John Jones than DC was able to do. Who knows? Uh, what's he called? He does have a good reach himself. He's all he has 6'3, that's one inch shorter than Jones, and he has uh, a 79 inch reach, close to an 80, like uh, Adesanya. So he has he has a uh, good height reach, and uh, really, really good wrestling. And yeah. not only that, he showed that he could surprise us with a with a bomb out of nowhere, yeah. that you just don't expect. So he, I guess he showed the power because I mean, one punch. And Johnny Walker was just so wobbled. He, he could barely come back, although I slightly disagree with the stoppage because I just wish that they would just let Johnny Walker get put completely to sleep. Johnny yeah. Walker, when he got, when when the fight was over, obviously he looked hurt. In, the, in this game, you get hurt. That's part of the game. And Johnny Walker's yep. looking at him, straight in the eyes, and still walking right after him. He's not even falling over. He's walking yeah. right over. There's still a little bit of fight There's left.
0: There's so still a little, well. Yeah, that's, 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 the, that's the stuff that you kind of have to admire with a fighter is that little fight that they have left in them because that's what makes a fighter's character show off more is because of that tenacity and that toughness that a fighter holds within himself and Johnny Walker is one of those guys that has that but unfortunately when when you're looking out for a fighter's health which we're about to actually talk about in the main event fight between Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz uh is that the health of a fighter is the utmost priority when you're talking about what's happening in the octagon and you're obviously stopping a fight because of that notion and yes Johnny Walker was getting beat to 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 bits in in that first round but um It's nice to know that you have that faith in Johnny Walker, and I think you're going to see that in the future with Johnny Walker is having uh, that tenacity against fighters that he can he can get back in this division. And I think he proved that well in that um, tenacity aspect um, of Johnny Walker. So looking forward, do you think that you're going to be confident with Johnny Walker and what he has in the future?
2: I'll be a little nervous for his next fight. Uh, he just needs to—he needs to just wise enough. He needs to be a wiser fighter. Like he is yeah. funny and it's good to be goofy. I plan on being goofy. I'm a goofy. He's man. also got
0: a I'm positive a attitude, and that's something that a lot of fighters don't have when they lose.
2: Oh yeah, his, his attitude definitely was really good. He still remains silly, and uh, not good for him. And uh, I hope that uh, he's able to bounce back and be confident. Yeah. Does, uh, and not feel like Darren Till. Darren Till apparently wanted to make an excuse to not be able to fight. He just he had all these demons coming after him after his two loss streak.
0: Yeah. An Darren that- Till fought in the middleweight co-main again, uh, event against uh, former champ Kelvin Gastelum uh, in the middleweight bout. We're gonna actually get into that next. Uh, before that, I just wanted to thank you for uh, going up against your own will and talking about one of your favorite fighters losing. But, um, of course, Steven Thompson definitely made up your night uh, by his win against Vicente Luque, which we just talked about. Another fighter that I was very happy about, I think my favorite one of the night, was a uh, heavyweight matchup between Derek Lewis and Blagoy Ivanov. Derek Lewis, uh, a decision against Blagoy, a very close matchup, too. Uh, Derek Lewis being in the top five heavyweight rankings and making a name for himself as, quote-unquote, Black Beast, as he calls it. Um, also, in his, fo- his post-fight press conference... Um, Uh, cause, uh, I'm not trying to get political on this show, but Donald Trump was in the building on Saturday night for UFC 244, and, uh, while he was in the building, Derek Lewis took advantage of that and said that he should turn stuff around. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, what was your take on the fight and maybe what he said after?
2: Oh, Derek Lewis, what a character. Yeah, no kidding. he He puts the smiles on everyone's faces, he makes a lot of people laugh, and, uh, He's just a great character and uh, very unique individual, and uh, he 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 did really well. His, his, I honestly some people like were saying that it was close, but to be honest, just in my opinion, I cannot entirely see the closeness of that fight. I thought I thought that he actually, considering how much more powerful his strikes were. I just thought he did more damage. devastation. Yeah, more, yeah, just more devastation to Blagoy and so many people were like, "Oh, you know, uh, it, it was it was really close." Or Belgrade got robbed. I just could not see Belgrade getting robbed. I I really felt that uh Derek Lewis it literally just did so much damage every time he threw, it was just fireworks. When
4: when he would
2: save up that energy, that was a really funny thing that he would do. He would save up his energy. It was like Call of Duty. Like, you know, you get shot and and the screen's all red, so you just kind of sit around. Kind of have to sit
0: around and and, and recover.
2: To to then get back in the fight. And Derek Lewis was like that in terms of his cardio. He would explode, and then he would just kind of stop him kind of waddle around and then mm-hmm. you would think he's done
0: and then all of a sudden he explodes, yeah, it
2: explodes. Yep. The door and steals it's ridiculous that's where he yeah, gets his
0: name know. the black beast
2: <laughs> yeah, truth be told yeah Dude, Derek Lewis, that was so fun you and i were going crazy yeah i was i was i was
0: I'm, i was on the edge of my seat for that entire fight because I, I was i was ready for someone to get just popped in that fight in terms of knocked out um Also, I was on the edge of my feet at least until the round one quick knockout by Kevin Lee and Gregor Gillespie. We were having some technical issues at the time of getting the the main event card on there, so we didn't watch the knockout live. But uh, what was your reaction to the knockout against the uh, former undefeated fighter Gregor Gillespie? He got absolutely laid out by a right, right. um, Oh my goodness! I don't. Literally, he got slaps in the face by a foot. Is, is how he got knocked out. That just, like, got yeah. everyone up to their feet.
2: That, that, that was absolutely absurd, man. Like, that knockout was something else. See, Kevin Lee, we have to give it to him. He has returned. Kevin Lee has returned, nice. everyone. Yeah, in Kevin dominant Lee.
0: fashion. In, in fashion that, like, like makes us think, like, this guy in the lightweight division has a chance to, to compete highly.
2: He does. He uh, hopefully he isn't just a guy that only stays in the five. I hope he can at least get a title shot. But mm-hmm. man, when he went up against yeah. Tony Ferguson back in the day, that was rough for him. Yeah. But yeah, Gregor Gillespie was no joke. Yeah, he's beating some people that have beaten some of my MTC guys.
0: MTC uh, Midwest Training Center. That's in Schaumburg or Hoffman Estates. Hoffman yeah. Estates.
2: Yep. Uh, uh, no, no, I think it's Schaumburg. And uh, it's and it's somewhere,
0: but they're they're like practically the same town.
2: Yeah, pretty much. And, uh, what's he called? Uh, yeah, so Gregor Gillespie was 13 and 0, and apparently he almost made it to the Olympic wrestling team, so he's got great wrestling. Yeah. And, uh, some Jordan Burroughs. Guy, yeah,
0: Jordan Burroughs, one of my top guys in the wrestling world.
2: Yep. Yep. Defeated defeated him. Yeah. Uh, for the spot, so then Gregor took on uh, MMA and has been doing extremely well. And, uh, now, yeah. you know, Kevin Lee didn't have to face any of those threats, so it was just crazy to see him land mm-hmm. that that picture. It was crazy.
0: That,
2: that just had had the man sitting up against the up the
0: cage. That, <laughs> I could not. Believe he was there, he that. was frozen, literally frozen. Um, okay, we got we only got eight minutes left, and I got three things that we need to talk about quick. Um, quick thoughts about the Darren Till Kevin Gastelum fight. Anything in that one? I thought that was the most Thank slow you. fight. I thought that was like the slowest fight out of all of them. Didn't really live up to the quite the striking match. Yeah,
2: Darren Till dealing with demons. Kelvin Gastelum, uh, you know, Kelvin Gastelum is just, was just trying to find a way and just couldn't really pull it off. So he couldn't.
5: Yeah, find it a was way a slow fight. Off,
0: Darren the
2: Till wasn't pulling as much triggers as he usually does.
0: Okay, main event welterweight controversy at the end. Uh, Jorge Masvidal definitely um, in terms of the sti- t- in terms of statistics. Um, very close fight, but in terms of significant strike count, uh, Jorge Masvidal landed 112 significant strikes, um, and 43 was that for Nate Diaz. So definitely a very controlling match in terms of octagon uh, control and everything like that for Jorge Masvidal on Nate Diaz. So you can definitely tell through the first three rounds that Jorge Masvidal was going to win, but Nate Diaz is known as a championship round fighter. He really turns it up in the championship rounds, but because of a, a cut, a very bad gash that required 20 stitches on the top of his right eye, um, did not allow him to fight. And the uh, audio that you guys heard on behalf of UFC before this segment was Dana White talking about Nate Diaz wanting to come back in the octagon and fight. He didn't care about his cut. A cut's a cut. That's it. But definitely a risk, a health risk. Do you agree with that stoppage? What do you think about the stoppage, Carlos, uh, at the end of this fight? And uh, should there be a rematch? Well,
2: I I would like a rematch. Uh, this is how I would go about it. It's like, okay, you know, this could, if this is any old fight, then, then, uh, n- then you know, the stoppage is good. And uh, perhaps if it's uh, a non-title fight or, you know, maybe, oh, who's going to be, uh, you yeah. know, who's going to be next in line to fight for an interim belt, then yeah. still good stoppage.
0: But this is the oh, BMF I'm belt. This is the not baddest, not baddest not. mother bleep belt, you know? Like, like you're yeah. trying to figure out who's the baddest guy on the planet. And if you're trying to figure out the baddest guy on the planet, who cares about Let a cut?
2: Him Let him be the baddest with skin falling over his eye, like
4: <laughs>
2: like that. That pretty much like this fight was meant to be an absolutely gory fight, and it should have been left at that. I know it's like, oh, we got to be concerned for health. That is, While that is rather true, this is still this particular fight. We have never seen this particular fight in UFC history up until that point. Let it completely live up in a way like if they were to ever do that again, say like in the next five years, ten years or so, that it just brings almost the entire world to watch because it's going to be ridiculous. And, and, and the fight had the potential to be the most ridiculous thing we've ever seen. And, and it was getting to that point. But unfortunately it stopped. Nate Diaz still wanted to go. Considering Nate Diaz gets clobbered and he falls to the ground, he's still in the fight. He wants to use his high level Jiu Jitsu and Jorge did not really want to get into a ground yeah. scramble
0: with that. Yeah. It and wasn't ideal. <laughs> the battle
2: of the slugs, man.
0: The yeah. Thugs. Yeah, my take on that is exactly mirroring yours. Um definitely I mean BMF belt needs to live up to its name and the be it, the baddest the baddest guy on the planet. Can prove himself just by fighting through a gash on his right eye. That's how he could prove himself to be the baddest guy on the planet. He wasn't given that chance, especially in the championship rounds, which Nate Diaz is known to perform best in. And he even said, like he 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 was conditioned at that point. He didn't he didn't even notice the eye like being cut. He was so focused on the fight at hand that you know, like he didn't care about that he'd re- he cared more about his conditioning going into the championship rounds of rounds 4 and 5, which he could have performed well at. And that was when the fight was getting good. That's why everyone was booing. And um, Jorge Masvidal was definitely uh, telling the fans not to boo at him, not to boo at anyone else, but just say, hey, you know, let's let's do it again. Let's go back at this again, Las Vegas, whatever. You said that this fight should have a rematch. Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz. But should that be the next fight for these two? What do you think the, uh, is, is next for these two?
2: Well, I guess considering these guys are, uh, like, they don't even have to be champions for people to really want to see them. Like, Nate Diaz is that. Warner McGregor is that. Now Jorge is that. We're going to
0: talk about McGregor in a couple seconds after this point.
2: Uh, You know, then this fight does make sense. Or, you know, another Nate versus Conor or the BMF belt. Because I don't know if Nate will ever be able to fight for the belt. I mean, Kamara Usman would just simply out-wrestle. Like, Nate wants people who want to scrap. Unfortunately, to be the champion, simply just scrapping doesn't yeah, really
0: Kamara come Kamaru Usman's not that type of fighter.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and so it, I, I guess it would make sense for him to have one more fight and then possibly retire. He should definitely enjoy the money. He's got too much damage on his face, and that's, what, that's the part that blows, is the damage that he has. And so some people think he should retire because, you know, his, his face can't keep up. He eats one. He could eat one little strike, and his face is all bloody. Even though it, they're not little strikes, but you know any old strike, and he's already gashed up. He looks yeah. brutally damaged, and it's just like his 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 face just cannot keep up. It's yeah. Got. Too many scars.
0: But at the end of the day, Jorge Masvidal, BMF belts holder. Um, I don't know how long that's going to hold up. Regardless, that might be a a a begging for a fight against Conor McGregor, or I don't know. At the beginning of the show today, I played audio uh, with Conor McGregor saying that he's coming back in uh, January, mid-January, for a fight in Las Vegas. Apparently, he knows the matchup. So if he knew the matchup before UFC 244, it cannot be against Jorge Masvidal and Diaz. Who do you think Conor has got to fight against?
2: Who is Conor gonna? Fight? I think Cowboy? it's Justin
0: Gaethje. I don't know. What do you have to say?
2: Is it Justin Gaethje or put him against Cowboy? If Cowboy, yeah,
0: here, okay. I like that. I, I like that a lot.
2: Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really good one. I mean, Cowboy deserves that fight. He deserves the money fight. So let, let Cowboy have the money fight. The Cowboy should be retired already, but you know what? If if he were to fight one more time, I think it's against Conor McGregor. That's a, that's a good way to go.
0: That's a striking I like that, clinic. especially if he wins that fight, too. You don't know what, what, what's going to have in store. But it also could be a bloodbath. Who knows? Um, But, yeah, I think Conor McGregor... Um, is going to have that money fight against either Justin Gaethje, even Cowboy Cerrone. Um, and then hopefully uh, if, if Conor McGregor wins, I'm not hoping for that other way. I'm just you know looking forward to seeing him back in the octagon uh, ever since 2018. So uh, we'll see. Any, any last words on UFC before I have to let you go? Well... well too- any last words in general?
2: Uh, I believe uh, it's next week or the week after. I wish I could check my internet, but it goes away when I'm on call. But it's uh, beat it's Magomed Sherpov. Yep, the beat Magomed. It's this, this Saturday. Fighters. It's this Saturday. Oh, nice. Yes, in in, in Moscow, I believe.
0: Yeah. Or yep. C C S K A Arena. It's on ESPN Plus. The beat Magomed Sherpov against Calvin Qatar. That's a featherweight main event.
2: Tune in. It's going to be a good one. That is going to go on. Versus Alexander Volkov.
0: Yeah, the Greg Hardy. Uh, what did Derek Lewis, I, I don't know, I've made it a little, a little explicit, but Derek Lewis said something about Greg Hardy that I thought was funny. Yeah,
2: it says, uh, Derek Lewis really loves women, and he does. He hates when he finds out that other men are hitting other women. Yeah. Derek Lewis wants to Terrible. fight all the women beaters. <laughs> That's what's <laughs> awesome about him. He wants to beat them all up, and he beat one up already, now it's Travis Brown.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, definitely. So, I mean, hey, hey, he does it for good intentions, so I can't, blame, I can't blame Derek Lewis for that. I mean, Derek Lewis is a man of his words, and he's also a man of uh, very funny words, just as like you, Carlos, as always, for uh, spending your time with me, part of your day, part of your work day, and uh, trying to take care of many lawns as possible. I know you're going to be a champion in that one day, and hopefully a champion in MMA as well.
2: Uh, thank you. Thank you. I look forward. I need to acquire me lots of belts. Belts everywhere. Not not just fight belts, but lawn belts as well. Lawn care belts. We'll take them all.
0: The baddest lawn care men. Yep,
2: that's so- where I am. I got that belt for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, Carlos. It's always a pleasure with you.
2: We shall see you till the very next time.
0: Yes, indeed, my good friend. Um, any last words?
2: Nope. I just simply say adios to you all. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Carlos. That was uh, Carlos Liquid Terminator Rodriguez. On uh, you've heard his voice many times, and I'm sure you're gonna hear it again at some point. Um, but this has been your 151st episode of Monday Manis Sports Talk, every single Monday from uh, 11 to 12:30. Um, just want to give a quick shots to the next shows. Um, on uh, it's Miko Lewis. He's gonna be on at one o'clock. So looking forward to that uh, um, all the time. I mean, great shows to be played on Radio DePaul Sports. Check out Radio DePaul Sports online at RadioDePaulSports.com or download the Radio DePaul app. Great stuff all around. But for now, I'm going to take you guys out with Bracetracks, Alejan John Lewis, the intro song of your good friend Noah Festestein and Monday Man of Sports Talk. Every single Monday from 11 to 1230 right here at RadioDePaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app. I'll see you guys on Thursday for Noah at night. It'll be a fun time on the radio to Paul stream eleven to midnight. See you then. But for now, next week eleven to twelve thirty for Mighty Mass Sports Talk. I will see you then.